What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 8 DFS MVP Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with your co-host, Mr. John Daigle. Uh, if your uh, week was like mine last week, you are licking your wounds from one of the chalkiest uh, weeks, uh, maybe in history. Um, it was it was okay for, for cash games if you had the right uh, combo, but uh, the chalk in tournaments was brutal. But we are here to recover and have a better week eight. Daigle, how you doing, bud? Doing well. Go ahead and dive into that really quick because i know you mentioned in your article and had a tweet on the actual ownership for instance from the millie maker winners yeah so i mean uh, it's uh just a quick and, and dirty way to to look at how um chalky it the lineup the winning lineups are in uh tournaments you can just add up the ownership percentages of the winning lineup uh the winning lineup of the winning uh millionaire maker on DraftKings was i, I think the number was 183 percent cumulative date i have a database going back to 2019 so um three plus seasons of tournament data and uh, there had only been three other winners that were at or above 150% cumulative ownership, and none of those were over 154%. Uh, so we saw that, uh, you know, almost a, a 20, 20% um, spike in terms of the ceiling uh, of ownership, uh, uh, cumulative ownership for the winner. So yeah, it just, it just hit super hard. Um, it was, it happens sometimes. I, I'm just, I'm never going to make tournament lineups where I have four players that are 30%. Um, it is what it is, but, uh, cash lineups were fine. Um, those are keeping me afloat at least throughout the, the season tournaments have, have been pretty rough, but, uh, but we're going to keep on grinding here. When 55% Josh Jacobs has three touchdowns, that is never a slate. I'm going to win ever. Yeah. One thing that, um, I mean, it, it's crazy because we talk about the field getting, getting sharper. Um, and we saw it a lot last year, so so I'm, I'm surprised to see it bounce back this year. Last year, like we just didn't see players getting over like 30, at least on DraftKings. Fanduel's ownership is, is always kind of tricky. Like you could just because you could jam instead so easy. But last year, even with Cooper Cup going on his tear, we didn't see players getting like over 30, 35 percent ownership almost all year. And kind of my takeaway was that was like, I, I guess the field is getting sharper just in terms of for the tournament field, at least that they won't um, just hammer the obvious plays because they understand how, how little you gain. Um, but obviously that was wrong. Obviously last year was an aberration. And um, if you've been paying close attention to four, four ownership projections, um, at least on the high end of it, I've been coming in a little low just because I, 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 ref, I just didn't think that, you know, these Josh Jacobs of last week will be 50% in, in large field tournaments. Um, and they still are. So um, we have a couple of those this week. Um, we'll get into them before we get into it. Just want to let everybody know that uh, this weekend, uh, one of our biggest sales of the year at 444 is always on Halloween. So starting yesterday, actually, but if you're watching this uh, now through Halloween evening, maybe even the next morning, if you jump on it, um, all of the 444 subscriptions are 75% off. That means the DFS subscription is only $24. That comes with uh, John Paulson's projections, all of our content from me, um, uh, Daigle and all of our other DFS writers, all of the ownership projections we talk about here, our lineup generator, every single tool you find in our DFS suite, only $24 for the rest of the year. We go all the way through the Super Bowl. So, I mean, you're literally like barely paying, uh, you know, a dollar per week because we have so much time left. So make sure you're checking that out. Let's get into what we do every single week. Um, this slate is really interesting because we got a lot of the uh, big guns off of the slate, at least in terms of quarterback and in terms of uh, the best offenses in the league. So we start every week by talking about where our big decision is. Our, our decision point is what we call it. What is going to decide how we are building tournaments? What's going to make or break us this week? Um, what are you looking at this week? I think the conversation starts at quarterback with Jalen Hurts. and. I don't have to increase his ceiling for everyone. They know what Jalen Hurts does. He's the QB2 right now in fantasy points per game in redraft leagues. But it's an interesting starting point because if Jalen Hurts fails, all bets are off. It becomes the Powerball after that. Literally anyone can take down turns this week since we don't have Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in this slate, which makes it a lot of fun. Also why Sam Ellinger is a conversation piece on DraftKings because he's live 
in a slate where only Jalen Hurts, who again has only thrown one touchdown in the second half of games this year, uh, because the Eagles have put the hurt on teams in non-competitive game scripts, returned from their bye with a healthy offensive line now as well. So basically we think if the Eagles don't get there in one half or if they take care of the Steelers in one half, then again, we don't get maximum Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. At the same time, if everyone views it like that, and I can get Jalen Hurts at 3 to 5% with A.J. Brown, anywhere from 3 to 8%, and Dallas Goddard, that is also a chance I'm willing to take. Uh, and then you can run it back with a, a, a you know Pat Fryermuth, who we'll talk about. I think Deontay Johnson is popping in our breakout model that Jeff Hicks dissects weekly. So that's where I'm at right now is, do you think Jalen Hurts will become very popular in tournaments? Or do you think everyone's going to be telling themselves, well, if he fails, no big deal. Because if that's the case, then I'll get on him. No, his his um, salary is so much higher than the field, and and his value ranking is not. I don't want to say so much lower, but is just kind of in the mix because all of the good values this week at quarterback are uh, moderate or low salary quarterbacks. So I think because we have um, and and it's not even like if the Eagles were projecting way better than the field, which they aren't. Um, I, I would say that he is going to be very, very popular. I think ownership at quarterback is going to be um, very flat this week, which is in turn going to lead to a lot of flat ownership percentage, at least with the, with the stacking options, there's going to be some pretty big chocolate running back and a couple outlier um, pass catchers in terms of ownership. But I, I don't think Hertz is going to be that popular. So I guess it, it's kind of um, the, the tricky part, obviously, is if you're going all in on the Eagles, is that he is so expensive compared to the field, and their passing attack is so concentrated that you, it really does make sense to to have Jalen doubles because if he does go nuclear, well, you need him to go nuclear. He's so expensive that doubles probably make sense, right? Like he he for him to go off at that price, you probably need multiple um, pass catchers to go off. The thing that I'm thinking about, which is is kind of similar to you, and I don't have an answer right now. I hopefully I'll have one by Sunday. Is because all of the offenses and quarterbacks besides Jalen Hurts um, are in in mediocre, questionable offenses or just are questionable talents themselves. Uh, how heavily I am going to be stacking this this week, and in smaller field stuff that you and I typically play, I typically stack very heavy. Um, a couple, a few weeks ago, we saw that that Lions Seattle game go off. Um, that was like the 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 poster child for heavy stacking. Last week, I went very heavy on Cowboys Lions. Obviously, that failed. But my thinking is, if my if the games get there, then my and my I have that game. Um, I, I can hopefully let the field with so many like just questionable offenses this week outside, or I guess questionable quarterbacks outside of Jalen Hurts. My thinking is like, how heavy do I want to be stacking in tournaments this week? Um, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to think that a lot of these quarterbacks just don't bring a lot, a ton of, of players or there aren't necessarily obvious bringbacks. Obviously we saw to it to a do it a few weeks ago. I think it was week two, um, but you know, they've been a little questionable since then. So the thing I'm going to be thinking about a lot going into Sunday is how heavy I want to be stacking this week compared to other weeks. That's completely fair. In my mind, and this doesn't even include Steelers-Eagles game, I see it as a four-game slate. I hope I'm not wrong about that. I even, since it's so thin and ugly, uh, thought and was about to ride up Justin Fields as a play until we got Micah Parsons in the game. Uh, maybe Fields is still a good play, but no longer my player pull overall. It's wide open. It genuinely is. And so, yes, I think about, we'll talk about the Dolphins-Lions game, for instance, as the one I want to stack the heaviest. But other than that, I completely agree. I think there are a lot of situations we can go one-ones or even just take a running back from one game, thinking that game script doesn't align with what Vegas thinks. And we'll talk about those players as well. Yeah, well, um, 
hopefully we have a better understanding of how heavily we want to be stacking and what we are going to do with Jalen Hurts since he is kind of the outlier quarterback, at least in terms of salary and ceiling um, by Sunday morning. So make sure you use that $24 sign up for the four for four DFS subscription, get access to the four for four discord where we have our Sunday morning show and flesh all of these thoughts out as we've been doing every week leading into the DFS week. One fun thing we've added to the uh, podcast slate is doing a, uh, underdog card builder. A lot of people have really been um, enjoying these underdog picks. Uh, we're on a little bit of a cold streak, so we need to, to come back and, and smash this week, which hopefully we can do. But every single week we uh, go through, build a card. We've, we've been on like the three to four pick play this week. Um, we use four for four projections to hopefully find some of our favorite plays. We don't always have to pick the... Uh, the projection that is the biggest gap compared to the line that underdog is setting. Um, you know, we like to find some correlation. We play these a little bit like mini tournaments, but uh, is, are there any plays that are standing out to you this week or, or one, your top play that's standing out to you this week? I have, a, I have a few that I think are interesting. What is Derek Henry rushing yards on underdog? I, I have it 50. at hundred. I think they have it at a hundred, a hundred and one point five. I think we have them projected at one thirty one. We do. Um, but, it's still uh, a very high prop, though. It's a. It's high, prop. and rightfully it's so. Rightfully so. Yeah. But uh, it's a high prop. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll, I'm just mentioning some others that stand out among Paul. Is it Spins. too high? Is it too high to bet the case for Derrick Henry? Obviously, Texans, um, the worst run defense in the league, or at least like one of the worst run defenses in the league. Uh, Derrick Henry has seen a decent, uh, we're just talking about the rushing prop here, but he hasn't come off the field a ton on third downs. Dante Hilliard has been getting a lot of work. Derrick Henry over the last month has 63% of the Titans team touches. Like we rarely see running backs account for over 50%. The league leaders for a season are usually between like 50 and 52% of their team's touches. He's at 63% over the past month. And they aren't huge favorites, but I mean, I I always get big dog wrong. But, do you want to I go mean, over the rush? Do we want to go over the rushing attempts? We have them much higher. Oh, than I like the rushing attempts. Yeah, yeah, twenty two and a half. Twenty two and a half. Let's go over. We have them okay. projected for twenty eight and a half. Um, okay. He's average. He's average. He's had at least thirty touches in back to back games. Now we are back like to that. like full on big dog for Derrick Henry again. Okay. We'll talk about yeah, him yeah. in a second too. Uh, okay, so make that one. And then if you want to, how do you feel about Christian McCaffrey in a game before the bye? 10 touches last week, 28% of snaps. I do think it increases, but I don't know like how much. Yeah. Does um, anything stand out or does his line underdog look, look just fine to you? I mean, his, they have him for about 100 total yards, which I think is probably fair. The, the props they have on there are 62 and a half rushing, 35 and a half receiving. Um, I I think the assumption would be that with Debo out, he should exceed those numbers. But uh, it, it's it's a pretty uninviting game in terms of pace and plays. Oh, yeah. It's the second lowest total of the week. Okay, go to Justin Jefferson. Uh, I believe he'll be sitting at around 90 receiving yards. 93 93. and a half. Uh, he has over a hundred in his last three consecutive and four of six this year. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Vikings Cardinals game, which I was going to get your opinions on the show on that too. Um, I Justin Jefferson is our top ceiling value on on both Fanduel and DraftKings. Obviously, and we haven't projected for one seventeen. Yeah, and that obviously takes salary into account. But I, I think he is the top ceiling wide receiver on the week. My only concern with a, a high prop for Vikings pass catchers is that he really has to get it through volume. Uh, They have the third fewest pass plays of 20 or more yards. Kirk Cousins has the lowest average target depth of any starting quarterback in the league. The only one that was lower is Matt Ryan, and he's not a starter anymore. Um, So he would really, it's either going to be a broken play or a, or through, you know, 11 catches, which is, it makes it harder to do. Uh, Okay. Uh, I would be fine with higher, but if you don't want to do that, that's fine. Go to Khalil Herbert rushing yards. We haven't projected for 52. I believe he should yeah, be sitting that's around. A, I think that's a really good line to bet. Okay. 39 Herbert, really of course, low. last week after the Bears 
Uh, and Luke Getze said they're going to ride the hot hand. Uh, Herbert handled his highest share backfield touches in any game with David Montgomery this year. It was over 40%. So it's very clearly a hot hand, and Herbert was unsurprisingly the better player. I think they continue going to him more and more every single week. So, uh, And we've even gotten Herbert props right on the overs on limited touches because he's that good. Uh, yeah, the advanced metrics show that Herbert um, should have been the hot hand player the whole time. Uh, I... I think there is a chance that through big plays, obviously Cowboys defense is um, very, very good. One thing that Chicago does is they, they do throw the, they don't throw a lot but when they do, they throw it down the field more than any other team. And they have one of the biggest gambling cornerbacks in the league. He's great in deep coverage, but, um, but they can make plays. So I, I do think that there's a chance that Chicago as, as anemic as they have been throughout the course of the season, They've been improving. Um, I, I do think they can have a couple splash plays, and if they can keep it close, that's a good thing for Khalil's rushing over. And then I will make two suggestions. I don't know how you feel about Elijah Moore coming into the game without Corey Davis, but we have him projected for 20 more yards than his underdog prop. So we have so him at 52. The the two plays I that I had were some some parlay of the Jets passing attack and Ramondre Stevenson. Um, the, the, yeah, the Jets are, are a, a, a run funnel defense. The Patriots are a pass funnel defense. The Jets are underdogs. Um, they are without Brees Hall. So, I mean, I, I wrote down Wilson, but I mean, if you like one of the pass catchers, I think it makes sense to attack some passing over on the Jets. We have a significantly higher margin of difference in receiving yards on Elijah Moore than Garrett Wilson from his prop 31 and a half to his projection 52 and a half, which is why I like higher. Also remember when it was just these two, when Corey Davis was injured, Elijah Moore was still leading the team in routes run. So I, I think he's going to lead the team in routes run. That's the best I got. All right. Um, any interest in any of uh, Wilson over 179, Ramondre over 63 or Firemuth over 35? Ramondre over 63. Let's, let's, Tag Let's that go along. Four legger, four, yeah, four legger. We have him. Right. We have him projected at eighty-one. Yeah, I like that a lot. He also too, outsnapped so, uh, Damian Harris last week. It was Damian Harris's first game back, and I still, I still like Damian Harris to mix in. But it's a game where we think both of them can get there, honestly, because Zach Wilson, although Elijah Moore can still get over thirty-one yards, uh, Zach Wilson has been terrible. Yeah. Um, as you guys, as we've done every week, uh, $25 entry for our, this one is a four leg parlay. We've been, um, bouncing between three and four, as we've mentioned before, uh, somewhere are, like the three, three or four is kind of the sweet spot. I think if you have say six or seven picks, you like mix in a few three teamers, uh, more three teamers, one or two, uh, um, four leg parlays. You notice we have a lot of overs. I've talked to people uh, throughout the industry and there's a pretty strong feeling that just underdog props in general have been quite low this year. So even though like, you know, in a lot of, of um, prop betting markets, sometimes unders can be very, very profitable. Um, but you notice we've been betting a ton of overs this year. I think that's just a function of underdog has had some, uh, some, some pretty low props. Maybe that'll adjust, but for now we're going to keep riding these overs. Uh, no to insurance. Cause that's a sucker bet. So 25 bucks on the four leg parlay pays out 250. Uh, if you guys missed this, we will always tweet out the card when the show is over. Hopefully those lines are still up. If you haven't signed up for underdog yet, go to four for slash underdog or use a promo code four for four. When you sign up for a new underdog account and get a free DFS subscription plus a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. All right. Um, that was fun. Hopefully we smash those and cash those this week, but let's get into what everybody's here for the positional picks. Um, we like, it looks like we like one game cause, uh, we got both the quarterbacks in this game. What quarterback pops do you this week? I think Jared Goff is going to be a sneaky one here and you may question his ceiling. Uh, but remember in those first four games, the first month of the year, whenever Ramon Ross A. Brown, who is dealing with a concussion, questionable, I believe, uh, DeAndre Swift, also questionable, dealing with an injury. Whenever they were at full health, the Lions led the league through week four in yards per play and averaged 33 points per game. Jared Goff in that time had two top seven finishes, uh, had a four touchdown game against Seahawks as well because the talent around him elevated him. 
Since then, DeAndre Swift hasn't played, and Amon Ron St. Brown hasn't played a full game. He got injured twice and was limited in his first game back uh, before the bye. So we haven't seen this offense at full strength. Last week, Amon Ross St. Brown got initially diagnosed with a concussion, immediately ruled out because that's what you do in the NFL nowadays. But then turns out it wasn't even a concussion. It was just a neck injury. And so I believe he's going to play. If he plays and if Swift plays, Jared Goff, in my opinion, is back to where he has a top five ceiling indoors, at home, in what we believe to be a shootout. Uh, This is the game I want all over the place. Five players even, perhaps, if we get Swift and Amon Rice and Brown. If we don't, we can ignore it. Otherwise, I think Jared Goff is genuinely in play in a week we talked about where quarterbacks are the Wild West behind Jalen Hurts. Yeah, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is, um, I I believe if I saw everything right, he will carry a questionable uh, tag going into the game, but everything sounds pretty positive. I I believe DeAndre Swift is going into the weekend with no injury designation. And I mean, we we talked about at the beginning, how much do we want to be stacking this week? But think about these two teams, the Dolphins and the Lions. Two of the most epic games of the year included these two teams, the Lions and the Seattle game, one of the most stacked games uh, of the year. for tournaments and then of course Miami and Baltimore had that crazy shootout where two went off uh so I think this game is I agree with you if I am going to attack one it is it isn't the highest over on the, on the slate it's close but it's not the highest uh so I'm fine going to the other side uh to attack of Iloa 7700 on Fandle 6200 on DraftKings the over-unders at 50 27 and a half points uh implied point total for the Dolphins Uh, That is the highest team total on the slate. Miami is seventh in passing rate over expectation. We all know about the Lions defense. They're bottom three in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, also to tight ends, uh, also to running backs. Uh, So they are pretty much bad uh, against every single position. We have Tua as a top four quarterback value on both sides of four for four. Again, as we mentioned up top, this slate has, no Josh Allen, no Lamar Jackson, no Patrick Mahomes, no Joe Burrow. So, I mean, if if Jalen Hurts doesn't hit, we're looking at a like we're going to have quarterbacks. And even if he if if he does hit, like if we're playing multiple lineups, which even if you're a single entry three max guy, you're still rolling out a couple different quarterbacks. You're going to have like quarterbacks that aren't these super elite tier guys. And J- uh, Jared Goff and Tua, they've already shown their ceiling this year. So, if I'm going to to bet on who has the ceiling outcomes, like why not be the the guys and the offenses that we've already seen do it? Tua has also averaged a 68% completion rate and over 10 yards per attempt, 10.2 against man coverage this year, which the Lions run at the league's third highest rate. Because uh, if Aaron Glenn does not alter his approach uh, against Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, all bets are off for Tua here. Tua actually hasn't thrown more than one touchdown in any game either, but I bet he's still popular because everyone realizes how such good of a spot it is. So, yeah, I'm on board with Tua as well. Again, we just need those Lions players to be healthy so we get pushback for everyone here. Yeah, I, I think Tua, um, I, I haven't started building cash. I think he's low enough where with this matchup against the Lions, he is viable in cash lineups. Probably on FanDuel, you're probably going to be able to fit Tyreek into cash lineups. It's always tricky to get to those more expensive receivers um, on DraftKings in cash games. But for tournament purposes, just be aware that the Dolphins are projecting as one of the most popular, if not the most popular um, offense on the slate. So if you're doubling Tua with Tyreek and and Jalen Waddle. Um, that's going to be a very popular combination. So I, I think if Amon Ra is healthy, he probably is just naturally a somewhat popular bring back. So I, I think I don't think he'll get like steamed to like 20% or anything, but like a, a 10 to 12% ownership is very much in line. So if you're paying attention to something like cumulative or product ownership, which you should be, uh, just be very aware of of that fact. So including a um, Mike Isecki or a DeAndre Swift is going to be very vital to having tournament lineups or, with this game. Or adding Raheem Mostert. Uh, he's fresh. Oh, off, yeah, yeah. Mostert, he's fresh yeah. off. I think, Mostert, I think Mostert might get owned, might be a little owned. At least but how, but how, 
owned Willie B with Tua, Waller, sure. and Tyree. Sure, That's, sure. That's or, or Jasicki, who we'll talk about. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mostert's fresh off a season high, 71% route rate. That's some something no one's talking about. Has handled 70% of backfield touches in four consecutive games now. So, yeah, I don't mind playing him. Like I, I've tinkered with lineups with Jared Goff double stacks and Mostert and Tyree because that's how good this game is. So it's just yeah. about figuring out the right pieces. Yeah, people don't play quarterback running back nearly enough. Um, speaking of running back, let's move on to running back. We talked a little bit about Big Dog when we built our lineup card, but talk about what you love about him in DFS because he is quite expensive. And people might look at the 10K price tag on Fandle and say, holy smokes. But actually, if we look at percentage of salary cap, that's actually the same salary relative to the cap as his 8,400 on DraftKings. So why are you willing to pay up for him? Because in 10 career games against the Texans, he has yeah. averaged 103 and a half yards and six yards per carry. Uh, Sharp Football's Rich Rebar noted that in his last three performances against Texans as well, Henry has gone for over 200 yards in each of them. Uh, we've seen the increase in receiving opportunity. And then also just the past couple of games for uh, Henry, 30 and 33 touches over 85% of backfield touches now and four consecutive games as well. Last week, he actually handled 33 of 35 touches. So everything that you want in a premier running back is there. Last week, Josh Jacobs, who again, over 100 yards, three touchdowns in the second half, came out in his presser and said, I felt like I went untouched for four or five yards sometimes. And it's true. Jacobs actually recorded a career high in yards before contact. And that was against, that was with the Raiders offensive line and Josh Jacobs. Now you get the big dog coming into town. So it's just a, uh, what's beyond a nuclear reaction. It's beyond that. It's just the perfect spot, even to eat the 10 K and no Henry's the best player on the board. If he stays healthy. Yeah. I, I don't think the Titans are a team that, um, at this point of the season, at least are ever going to be favored by like eight or nine points. I was surprised to see that the line is only two and a half points for them right now. Um, but I, I think it's one that they should cover pretty easily. I think the way that the Texans were going to either win or have control of this game was going to be by attacking the Titans secondary. They're a huge pass funnel, but they their deep threat. Nico Collins is unlikely to play. And then Brandon Jacobs after practicing fully all week is all of a sudden questionable um, with a wrist that nobody knew about. So if they're down those two pass catchers, I think that they have a really hard time putting up any resistance against the Titans. And I think Derrick Henry can have a crazy good game script. So going back to his 101.5 yard rushing line, maybe it is a good line. On And, on and what you do, by the way, is you bring along Brandon Cooks to get unique. No one wants to play Brandon Cooks since he's consistently failed everyone. But now we have Nico Collins off the field as well. So the targets hone in to one player. So just bring them along both together. Suck it up. It's the best skinny stack on the board, arguably. Yeah, if, if he's active, I, I wrote him up. So hopefully. Yeah. And he practiced um, in full. I don't know yeah. why he got the questionable tag. I it's hate weird. injury reports. <laughs> it's week eight. Give us a break. Yeah, ho hopefully for our purposes, it keeps him down at like 9 or 10% or something. If he's healthy, um, I'm playing him. We won't talk about him for the rest of the show, so I will say uh, if he's healthy, I'm playing him for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, your quote in your write-up today about Tony Pollard was do not overthink it. So uh, that's why I have Tony Pollard written down here. 6,300 Fandle, 6,100 DraftKings versus Chicago, Dallas favored by 10. I mean, the the only – Tony Pollard is going to be mega chalk. The only reason like two maybe uh, – if you're a hand builder, um, go into the lobby name clicker. You, you're probably going to see a few other decent values priced around Pollard. There's actually like a, a chunk of plays on both sides um, that are similarly priced. But I mean, this is a, a like a absolute smash spot as double digit favorites against a uh, bad Chicago uh, rush defense. Ezekiel Elliott has already been ruled out. Um, as I mentioned, the second biggest favorite on the slate, Pollard and Zeke have combined for 29 touches per game. No other running back on their team has a touch this season. I don't even know if another running back has been active this season. I think that's what you said um, in your lineup, uh, but they definitely don't have a touch. Uh, the Bears have allowed 18 plus half PPR points to a running back and five 
games this year. They're 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, but 11th first quarterback, third first wide receiver, eight first tight ends. So a very obvious run funnel, allowing the sixth highest percentage of explosive rush plays this year, which is great because we're getting Tony Pollard, not uh, Zeke, who probably isn't exploding much these days. Pollard definitely can. We have Pollard ranked as a top four value on both sites. Um, any other thoughts on on Pollard or just this game in general? He's uh, a, a cash game lock, but he I, I put him at 32.5% or 35% projection ceiling, but uh, ownership projection ceiling yesterday. But uh, as official news comes out on Zeke, that's probably going to be at or above 40, especially the way we've been seeing ownership percentages swing this um, this year. So how do you feel about a, uh, let's let's call it, I mean, FanDuel is just weird, but let's call it a, a 40% on DraftKings, Tony Pollard. I'm done with this garbage. I'm just playing him. Uh, every week this year, what the winners have really done, as you've written about, is sprinkling in contrarian plays around the chalk. Uh, we have to remember the chalk is the chalk for a reason. Like the chalk is good plays. We're playing a game where we're trying to leverage off of good plays unless they fail. Um, and fortunately, even though Tony Pollard will be rostered, uh, at least there really isn't other much chalk. Maybe Tyreek Hill gets there, maybe Deontay Foreman. But overall, it's just an amazing spot for a player who is a top three running back in the league, now getting opportunity. RB2 overall in his, in his first and only start for Ezekiel Elliott two years ago with 12 carries and nine targets. So given that Kadri Allison has been stashed, may not be active for this game, but stashed on the practice squad all year, like there's just no one else to give touches to. So yeah, I'm just going to play Tony Pollard. I'm not, again, I'm not overthinking it. Yeah, I don't. I think it was on. I don't remember if it was here or on Discord, but last week we talked specifically about how we are handling. We had Mega Chalk with CD and with Josh Jacobs, and the thing we we said is that uh, we're way less likely to play CD because he's wide receiver. We're really, really good at projecting running backs, and when you have running oh, backs, yeah, like I, these it was it was a have, Discord, I believe, or maybe yeah. actually it all runs together. Maybe it was the show, but uh, I was very adamant that we do not play CD Lamb in tournaments. Make yeah. sure. We are pretty damn good at projecting running backs because we're projecting touches. And we have this situation where uh, we we just know where all these touches are going and the value is there. Um, you just play it. I mean, it's he'll he'll be in uh, – if I'm playing three lineups, he's, he's probably in all three of them. Maybe two just because I like to make super funky lineups. But uh, even if you're playing a three-max game, that still puts you at 67% ownership, would put you over the field. So um, if you're playing one lineup, play him. If you're playing three lineups, play him in two. If you're playing 100 lineups, play him in 75. Um, that's, just, that's just how I'm handling it. Uh, I, I have uh, – I'm interested in your take on this wide receiver because he has been popping a little bit lately, but I don't know if it's a game that people are going to be looking at. Uh, talk about your top receiver pick this week. So the fact that everyone wants to play Sam Ellinger to spend up at other values tells me he will likely be very high roster. And if that's the case with the rushing floor, I, I genuinely don't mind playing him. I think he's live, but more importantly, I would also play Terry McLaurin who peripherals were great last week. It's exactly what we wanted, and he's a nice little skinny stack to bring back. Uh, McLaurin had only seen 20% of Washington's targets in one game from Carson Wentz this year, and it wasn't even, he didn't even reach 21%. But Sunday from Taylor Heineke, uh, tied for the team high and eight targets with Curtis Samuel, a season high 24% target share and season high with 15.8 fantasy points. All the usage was there for McLaurin who got honed in on finally from Taylor Heineke. So overall, it basically comes down to if I'm playing Sam Ellinger, I'm also playing Terry McLaurin because that's where I don't think tournament players will get to when they should to get unique around him. Yeah. And actually, um, I'm glad you brought this up because I, when you asked me at the beginning of the pod how popular I think Jalen Hurts will be, I actually think, especially on DraftKings, that he will be lay, way less popular than he should be because what I think will happen is people are going to get enamored with these Ellen, Ellinger lineups because it's going to let you – on DraftKings, it's very rare that you can do – you can jam in. I'm just using this as an example, like a, a Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson combo. I'm, say, I'm not saying that still works because those guys are crazy expensive, but just off the top of my head, it's just rare that you can fit that. And this week with the running back values and with Ellinger, you are going to be able to fit in some, some crazy-looking stuff. Um, and, and I think probably – 
Ellinger does end up be if, if a, a running, I'm sorry, if a quarterback gets at like 17 or 18 percent, it's probably him. And except for very, very rare instances where we have like huge game totals or huge uh, team totals, we just don't see like multiple quarterbacks get near 20 percent. So, yeah, I actually do think at least on DraftKings, Ellinger gets chalky. And I just don't think Jalen Hurts. I don't even think he sips 15 percent this week. I don't think so either. Um, the, you said we're probably not gonna have a, a huge, obvious chalk at wide receiver. I think if one player does run away with it, at least on DK, it is going to be Chris Olave decently priced on Fandle at 6,900 on DraftKings. He's only $6,000 against the Raiders. This game has a total of 49 and a half, even though the saints are small underdogs, they still have an implied point total of 24 points in Olave's last five games that he's been active. He's averaging over 29% of the Saints targets. And I don't know if we've had a more like perfect fit matchup where how the, the player strengths match up with the defense's weakness. Um, as I mentioned, Olave, high volume guy, but third in air yard share in the league among all players with at least five games played. He leads the Saints in targets from the slot. So plays inside, but also gets deep. Very rare combo. We don't see that a lot. Like a, It's like a very um, Christian Kirk-esque um, skill set. The Raiders are one of the most obvious pass funnels in the league. Eighth in uh, AFPA to running back schedule effect schedule adjusted points allowed to running backs, but bottom five against every other position while also allowing the second most PPR points per target to slot receivers and the ninth highest EPA per play allowed on deep balls. So um, all those injuries over uh, at new Orleans, uh, Olave is uh, not becoming is the alpha there and everything is wide open for him to dominate this game. I just don't see the Raiders giving him much resistance. Again, probably a 20 to 25% guy this week, um, but uh, I love Alave. I mean, another another cash game lock and, and probably a guy that I want on uh, a fair number of tournament rosters. Also, Davis Mills went over 300 yards last week against this Raiders team. That tells you all you need to know about their secondary. <laughs> um, yeah. If, if we could guarantee he would not get benched, and we can't, unfortunately. Andy Dalton would have been in my write-up, and I would be excited yeah. about playing Andy Dalton this week. And maybe, yeah. honestly, if you're not playing a million maker with Andy Dalton, like you're not wasting $20 properly because that's the way to go. But if he throws a couple first-half picks, he's got, he's done. He's benched at the half for sure. I know. If you uh, if you pay really close attention to my GPP write-ups, you'll notice a really sneaky thing I do. I'll, I'll write up these games, and I'll mention like the players I like the most, and then at the bottom uh, where I list my player pool, I'll throw in a guy that I didn't I do the same thing. I, do I didn't the, necessarily I do, write up. I throw in the guy I don't want to write up because I don't want to <laughs> exactly. like tout it, but also I kind of yeah. like the guy. So that's exactly what I did with Andy Dalton this week. You didn't see me uh, write him up, but uh, you got if you look at the bottom, Andy Dalton's in there. Yes, um, I, I will be in, in multi-field, like smaller, like the slant, the $9 Tomet. Uh, I will definitely be playing Andy Dalton in those tournaments. Um, really fun time in chat. We're over here blocking Jennifer Aiken, so that's pretty cool. Um, you like, I, I mentioned Tua Tagovailoa. Um, you like his primary receiver this week. Oh, yeah. And Tyreek Hill will also likely be chalk. I don't know, but still an amazing Tyreek play. Tyreek will be chalky, yeah. Yeah, still an amazing play. Uh, 31% of the team's targets this year, 11.1 targets per game. Also, though, more importantly, I mentioned the man coverage scheme for Aaron Glenn and the Lions. Uh, Tyreek Hill has, has doubled up the next closest player, Jalen Waddle, in targets against man coverage this year, and more importantly, is averaging four yards per route run against man coverage. And that metric makes sense since it's Tyreek freaking Hill. Like, not a single player can guard him in the NFL. So it's just a indoors my word, it is a blow-up spot for Tyreek Hill. My my concern, as I think I mentioned in the article, is that you can get there, Derrick Henry and Tyreek Hill, if you pay down for Ellinger, which also makes me then think, okay, be very careful because that's what everyone's going to do. So just like be wary. If you are paying down for Ellinger and you're spending up for these 8,500 players, know that everyone else is spending up for the same 8,500 players. So just be like be aware of what pieces you're doing. Also why McLaurin is a good play. He's the same price as Alave on DraftKings. And so like he will definitely go overlooked. 
Yeah. And a, a thing we should point out, I mean, I, I don't remember, I wish I remember who I could give credit to, but um, someone put a poll on Twitter last week that uh, it just said, what do you consider chalk in a main slate GPP? And I think they were talking about running backs, but it, it doesn't necessarily matter. And, and they put all these different ranges of percentages. And I, I actually think it's a, a faulty question because I think chalk is just a, a way that we talk about the most popular players on the slate. But I think the point that they were trying to make is important because um, every single week chalk is different, right? So last week where we were expecting a, a 35% CD lamb, that's crazy chalky for a wide receiver. Like we said, Tyreek Hill, I say, yes, he is going to be chalk, but I think all of the receivers are just going to be in like this 20% range this week. So it's easier to make unique lineups, obviously when your chalk has lower ownership. Uh, percentages so uh if you if you are just like a, a listener of the podcast and for some reason haven't paid the 24 dollars to subscribe for four for four during our halloween sale and don't look at the ownership projections every single week like you might not be uh privy to those nuances so yeah tyreek's gonna be chalky this week but chalky at 20 percent, not chalky at 40 percent. so that's a really important distinction to make very true uh, right before or a little before we started recording the podcast, uh, Debo Samuel was ruled out. So we talked a little bit about Christian McCaffrey in the underdog segment, but that opens things up for Brandon Ayuk. Um, I, I know this isn't, as we mentioned, a game that is going to pop in, in pace or, or plays or anything like that. But uh, as the wide receiver one uh, on the team at 6,700 FanDuel, 6,100 DraftKings, like we don't, the obviously we want all these perfect conditions game conditions, game environment. We're not going to get those all the time. And we, when we get the uh, values that open up like this, we play them. Ayuk uh, 11 targets in consecutive games, eight plus targets in four of seven games this year. Uh, he already, even with Debo active, already leads San Francisco in air yard share at 28% and weighted opportunity rating. And even though San Francisco is this, you know, perceived run heavy um, unit. They started the first couple of games with Trey Lance, uh, transitioned to Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, have had all, all this um, movement in their backfield. Over the last three weeks, San Francisco, 10th in passing rate over expectation, third in explosive passing rate, seventh in pass EPA per play. So the volume isn't like crazy, but Garoppolo's kind of slinging it. They got a tough matchup. Uh, but Ike's going to be the number one, uh, the de facto number one. Obviously, Kittle's playing a little bit better. CMC is going to get some targets, but uh, San Francisco's passing game, nothing to sneeze at, I don't think. My only concern would be what happens, and this is why I struggle with George Kittle this week, because, again, tight end is wide open. Uh, George Kittle has the highest ceiling, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, what happens with, Juszczyk, with Kyle Juszczyk off the field? Uh, and I wonder, I wonder if the offense, he's so, so important to that team. I wonder if they just kind of just crater also this, again, the second lowest total on the team as well. Rams coming off a bye. I think the Rams are the kitchen sink. I, I know they changed some things around the last 14 days during practice. I just don't know what that will be. Maybe it is deep shots to Van Jefferson, who I think is interesting for the Millie maker, um, and a couple other things, but, but yeah, I guess I just worry about the efficiency of the offense without Kyle Juszczyk personally. I, I do think in use, I mean, you mentioned Van Jefferson, but I mean, you know, Cooper cup runs his fair share of deep routes. I think that's how like the way to attack. One of the ways to attack the Niners is through the deep ball. They, they've really struggled against the deep ball. I think the Rams dial some up and like uh, the, the way that, unexpected games pace up is splash plays, right? And if obviously we need the Niners to play well to, to match, but I think the Rams can come, like you said, come out of the bye, hit some of those splash plays. And if that happens early, all of a sudden, you know, we got a, a 34, 28 game on our hands. Um, I'm, I didn't write this game up, but as I went through my process, I landed on CMC. I landed on Cooper cup. I, all of a sudden land on Ayuk with um, with Debo out. So it's like, when I look at these individual plays, they're actually quite interesting. You mentioned Van Jefferson. Probably not going to stack this game, but I don't hate a mini stack in this game. That's fair. Uh, and by the way, Sports Info Solutions has it at 6.3 yards per attempt for Garoppolo with Juszczyk off the field this year compared to 9.1 with Juszczyk on the field. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean it's not a good game to stack. Uh, because again, I do think the Rams have changed some things up since they were such a poor offense and know it. So may, maybe we are all just wrong about the line and they we do get some unique explosive plays out of this one. 
Yeah, and we got CMC there. And this is the one week with with Tyreek Hill being chalk and Devontae Adams being, yet again, a great pivot off of Josh Jacobs. I don't care. Kill me. I'll try it again. RIP. Uh, this is a week where Cooper Cup could go overlooked relative to his normal stature on slates. Yeah, uh, I'll steal Daigle's quote. Let's save that one for the Discord. Oh, yeah. We'll save it. Okay. <laughs> um, That's why I didn't talk about Devontae Adams either. We'll save it for Sunday. My um, one pick that we didn't use in the underdog save it segment is your tight end pick. So s- tell me why I was right in liking Pat Fryerworth and his over on his underdog prop and why he's a good DFS play. Because I'm offended that he's only $100 less than Kyle Pitts on DraftKings. I don't know how we got here. The last two full games, Fryermuth has played, including last week, nine targets per game with a 27.5% target share. Both those contests from Kenny Pickett. I don't know what we're doing. 3900 is far, far too cheap, especially on a points-per-reception site like DraftKings. So in your Jalen Hurts stack, that's why I think A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith would be the way to go because then you can have Fryermuth as your run back. And although he will be played in tournaments, no one will play him with Hurts, Smith, and Brown. Yeah, this is the third week in a row we've had the can Pittsburgh push their opponent situation. Um, they, they didn't just push Tampa Bay last week. They handled them uh, or, or two weeks two weeks ago. Um, they played on, on Sunday night. Uh, a couple weeks ago against Buffalo had this conversation. How, how does Pittsburgh keep this closer? How do their pass catchers um, fare in a stack? Or is it just that it's not even that they need to keep it close, that like Fryermuth is going to get enough volume that it doesn't matter if they're down by 20. He's just going to keep getting targets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like he's not covered off the field. If they're they're down, he continues to play in receiving sets. So, yeah, I'm not worried about game script at all for Fryermuth at all. Um, Irv Smith is is one that I like kind of – because of game script, because I think it can be a high scoring environment um, in Arizona. And I mean, you mentioned it is a very wide open tight end slate and on wide open tight end slates. I like betting or looking for touchdowns because often a single touchdown and a couple of catches can catapult you maybe not to the top of the leaderboard, but high enough at a moderate salary to help you win cash games or tournaments. Irv Smith at $5,000 on FanDuel, $3,500 on DraftKings is very fairly priced in a game where his team is favored with a total of 49 for the game. Both teams are the top 10 in neutral pace. Minnesota is six in passing rate over expectation. Arizona's two big weaknesses against quarterbacks and against tight ends, 27th in schedule adjusted points to quarterbacks, 31st in schedule adjusted points to tight ends. You, we talked about Justin Jefferson in the prop portion of the show. Kirk Cousins, the lowest average depth of target among active starters, 6.1 yards. Minnesota, the third fewest pass plays of 20-plus yards. Um, But they do have the sixth highest pass rate in goal-to-go situations. So that's kind of a long way of saying that they probably have really high touchdown variance because it's not even though Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson dominate target share, they're slowly moving the ball down the field. And as they get closer and closer to the goal line and windows get tighter, it just is who is lucky enough to get the target. It's not a lot of Justin Jefferson breaking off these long plays, even though he should be, that's just not what they're doing right now. So Irv Smith, his, his um, target, floor isn't great 4.3 targets per game even though he has four more in every game except for week one um but i think the touchdown equity really is there and if you give smith you know five targets with a i don't know a 33 percent chance at a score this week i kind of like his chances my only concern is that i still think he will be the highest roster tight end on this slate, I think one of the highest, given how cheap he is, which is also saving for the Discord. I think Dalvin Cook is a good pivot since we know Cook will succeed because Herb is probably off the field because they have to bring in uh, Ellison to block. Yeah, um, I I don't, I don't know. Uh, since he's so cheap on DraftKings in particular, I don't know. I, I've I've gone back and forth on Herb Smith on DraftKings. Because DK Metcalf is out, and I think people are still going to want to play Geno. I have Noah Fant really high, but I don't have him high a high projection on FanDuel. And then I have uh, Pitts. I kind of just alligator armed it with the next tier. Higby, Irv Smith, and Pitts kind of all together on um, DraftKings. I think on FanDuel, 
he's more likely to be the most popular um, player on on DraftKings. That thirty five hundred tiers, like like people just like paying sub three k on DraftKings. Maybe maybe Jawan Johnson will also soak a lot of it up since he's That's cheaper possible. than that, and he had two touchdowns on national television. Yeah, I think he'll. I think I think he'll have moderate ownership on DK. I will just but, say, um, but Fanduel, like, I agree with you. I think. I'll just say whatever it is on DraftKings, whoever's the highest roster, that's the one you avoid. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah. every, every single week, it's literally that simple. Yeah, I keep I'm telling the myself one. that about defense, but it keeps not working. Uh, speaking of, uh, what defense do you like? I like the Patriots. If we're spending up this week, uh, the last year against Zach Wilson, he didn't did get injured in his second start, but in the time he played against the Patriots in two games, he averaged 5.7 yards per attempt with four total picks, no touchdowns. And they just lost Brees Hall, who is so important to this offense. Brees Hall had 10 runs of 10 plus yards compared to Michael Carter's three. I think Michael Carter's a good player, but Brees Hall opened up so much for them and it gave the Jets an excuse to hide Zach Wilson. They can't hide him in this game. And so, especially in a, what was a letdown performance for Bill Belichick in primetime, it's not happening again. And the line, the line knows it. Like the fact the Patriots are uh, not even at three points yet is pretty crazy. So yeah, I, I think the Patriots are rightfully favorites here and just kind of run over the Jets, honestly. Yeah, I, I included, I made sure to include them in my player pool this week. I also included the commanders in my player pool, 3,400 Fandle, 2,600 DraftKings. They're underdogs at Indy, um, but Indy only has a 21-point team total, which is pretty low for a favorite. This should be a low-scoring game. We know that uh, team total uh, uh, correlates pretty strongly with defensive performance, at least as strong as you can for uh, fantasy defense, where we don't have a lot of strong indicators of fantasy scoring. But uh, we mentioned Sam Ellinger. He's going to be a popular uh, DFS option, but we do have the defense playing against a uh, backup quarterback for an offense that has already really, really struggled. They have allowed the second most schedule adjusted points to opposing defenses. Uh, Washington is seventh in adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders. India is a bottom 10 uh, offensive line unit in terms of adjusted sack rate allowed. I don't know if the fact that they've been top half of the league in pass rate over expectation sticks with the switch to Sam Ellinger. My guess is probably not, but uh, the commanders are cheap enough. Again, 3,400 Fandle, $2,600 DraftKings to assume that risk that uh, they don't, the Colts don't throw a ton going to be popular, but I don't think we get like a 20% defense this week. So with, whether it's the Patriots or commanders, I think you could roll them out and just keep in mind that they're, they are going to be probably in that like 10 to 15% ownership range, which, uh, which we can navigate. I just don't want like a 20 or 40% Jets defense, which hits, but uh, you know, if it's sub 20, I, I can, I can take the chalk on a defense. And if you don't play Ellinger, it just, it just makes so much sense. It makes so much sense to just play them to leverage off of them. Very easy leverage. We will be talking more about how to gain leverage in all GPPs on Sunday morning in Discord. If you haven't signed up for 444 yet to get access to that Discord show and to all of our DFS content and tools, the Halloween sale goes through Halloween night. All subscriptions are 75% off. That's just $24 for the DFS sub. You don't need a code. You don't need anything. Just go to 444, sign up, spend 24 bucks. Um, you know, it's 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 less than you spent on Halloween candy to hand out this weekend. And if you haven't signed up for underdog yet, you can go to 444.com slash underdog and use the promo code 444 when you sign up for a new underdog account and that'll get you a free DFS subscription and a deposit match up to $100. And if you want to further help out us, the website, the show, please rate and review five stars on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. Please like this video on YouTube. Please subscribe to our 444 channel and follow us on Twitter for takes throughout the week. Uh, Daigle is at not J Daigle. I'm at TJ Hernandez. 444 is at 444 football. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday morning.